All right. All right. So I knew all this was, you guys are all stressed out. You're like, he hasn't even started his message. And if he gets preachy, he goes for an hour or so. Don't worry. I'm, uh, I'm not getting preachy today. Um, I knew that Gilbert, when he said it was going to be three minutes, lied to me. Um, so, because he's a pastor. So that's just <laughs> give him, give a mouse a cookie, give a pastor a microphone. Um, but, um, so this week we're, uh, we're kind of finishing up what it looks like uh, to be a part of our church body, right? Largely the direction we'll be going in 2019 and beyond, just as, uh, as Steve said. And this is an incredibly exciting time in the life of, uh, of our church. Three weeks ago, I laid out the plan um, and, and talked through our mission, which is simple. It's biblical. It's memorable. We're to love God. We're to love people. And we're to serve the world. If you're like, wow, my mind is blown. That's so simple. It's so, yeah, it's scripture. Just open up your Bible. It's all over the place in there. Okay. Uh, it's not exactly visionary leadership when leaders in the church have been literally doing it for 2,000 years. And that's what we are called to is love God, love people and serve the world. That's it. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Jesus told his disciples that was to be their job. And it became the job of the early church. It's dominated Christendom since then. And so if it is good enough for them, you better believe it's going to be good enough for FBH. Two weeks ago, we talked about the idea of loving God and how everything has to start there, right? So as you walk around the church and you've, you've kind of seen that X and it says, love God on top, that's intentional that love God is on top because everything that we do flows from there. Every action that we have flows from us loving God. Everything we do, all the good we hope to produce in the world starts with our love of God because apart from him, we can do nothing. Then last week, we talked about the idea of loving people. And we talked about how the church will not be known because of our convictions. The church will be known because of our love. And that's a hard point to swallow. Even as I was writing it, I was thinking to myself, this hurts, but I know it's true. That we will not be known. The world will not say, oh yeah, I know that church. That's a great church because they believe this. No, the world will say that's a great church because they love people well. They know Jesus because we can see their love on display. And so we largely talked about that last week. And then this week we get the opportunity to talk briefly about what it means to serve the world and what it means to serve the world in our current context. And being a Christian and serving the world cannot be separated. It's like loving God and loving people. Right? We talked about that, how it is so hard to separate the idea of loving God from loving people because those two are completely and totally intertwined. Jesus knew that. That's why he talks about those are the two greatest commandments because you can't love God without loving people and you can't love people, truly love people, without loving God. Those two things are inseparable. And so in the same way, when you decide to be a Christian, when you decide to follow Christ, you have accepted the fact that you, you are going to serve the world. My hope is that it's of no surprise to anyone in here that we are supposed to serve the world as part of our responsibility of following Christ. And if, if that is a surprise, my hope then to you would be that you are young in your faith and, and discipleship gets to happen in the midst of you and your heart. That wasn't always apparent to me, though, the idea of serving the world and loving God. Uh, raise your hand in here if you grew up, in, like you would say, I grew up in a Christian home. 
Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Large, large percentage of us in here. And that's okay. That's okay. But, but for us, those of us who grew up in a Christian home, we recognize that that was just normal, right? Church was normal. Loving God was normal. People telling you to read your Bible and pray more every single weekend was normal, right? That's just what happens when you grow up in a Christian home. And largely, especially when you're younger, it, you have a hard time differentiating between uh, my family is different because we love Jesus than this family over here. Because your family is just normal. And then you go to school and you hang out with kids. And, and the, the topic of conversation isn't, are you saved as a third grader, right? That's not the topic of conversation. The topic of conversation is, can we throw dirt clods at each other until someone cries? At least that's usually what it is in our house, right? Like that tends to be the topic of conversation. Conversation. It's just, let's hang out. Let's play. Let's just love each other, right? Kids have it so much more correct than we do oftentimes of like, man, my kids will show up from home or show up back home from school and they'll say, I made a new friend today. I'm like, man, that's so great. What's his name? I don't know. <laughs> cool. Good story, man. Well, hey, try again tomorrow, you know, <laughs> and that's just, that's, that's just what kids do. And that's fine. But growing up, I knew no difference between my family who loved Jesus and other families who didn't. I just knew them as my friends, right? And so, but, but, but what happens is, is that you go through junior high and then there, there begins to be a disparity. Junior high and high school students, right? There begins to be, uh, it's very real to see that, okay, me following Jesus and loving Jesus in junior high looks different than my life if I weren't following Jesus. There tends to be two roads that begin to be diverged. You can see them pretty clearly, especially once you step foot into high school. And then all of a sudden you're blown away by the fact that, wait, we used to be really close friends. You didn't used to do those things, but I know I'm not supposed to do those things. And so because of that, I didn't figure out how to love you without you pulling me back into all of this. It becomes very, very apparent. And for me in high school, my freshman year, that came to a head. Okay. What happened was, is, uh, I was going to a lot of youth groups. Okay. High school students pay attention. If you want to hang out with your friends more and your parents are like, no, you can't hang out with your friends right now. You know what you do? You find out what youth group to go to. And then you say, Hey mom, dad, can I go to church? They'll be like, yeah, go to church all the time. Right. I found that loophole. Okay. And so because of that loophole, I was involved in like three or four different youth ministries. And it was great, but, but on a Sunday night, it was, it was my Sunday night youth group. I had my Sunday morning youth group, my Sunday night youth group, and my Wednesday night youth group, okay? On my Sunday night youth group, uh, they, just, they told us that, hey, we're going to be going on a missions trip to Mexico. And a typical freshman boy, in one ear, out the other, whatever, didn't really matter to me. And then afterwards, I had a conversation with my friend. My friend, who was also a freshman boy, came up to me. He had three older brothers, so you know he had great ideas. And he, he came up to me afterwards. He's like, Hey Pete, he called me Pete. Hey Pete, you want to go, uh, you want to go to Mexico with our church? I was like, I don't know. Like, what do you do? All this stuff. And he didn't tell me anything about what they actually did. Right. Didn't tell me that we were going to build houses for these families who were incredibly poor. And we were going to go serve people who were living in slums and hand out rice and beans and all these incredible things that like as a pastor, I'm pitching from the stage. No, no, no. Freshman boy decided that, Hey, okay. So this is what my brothers told me the last day that we're in Mexico. What they do is we drive to downtown Tijuana and they give us like two hours to do whatever shopping we want to do. 
do. And I was like, okay, what, what's the big deal? I can do shopping anyway. Like whatever. What's that? Why is that big deal? He's like, no, no, no. My brothers, every time they came home from Mexico, man, they came home with switchblades and butterfly knives and M80s and firecrackers. And he was like, you, you have to go. And for me, I'm like freshman boy. I'm like, you're right. I do have to go to that. So, so I signed up and I went to Mexico and everything, everything I said was a hundred percent true. And I remember, uh, it was, it was Friday afternoon. We were leaving and what we had to do, we had to get off the bus. We had to walk across the border and then get back on the bus. We got off the bus. We, we did the shopping and I remember, um, being in a, in a bathroom in Tijuana, taking off both of my shoes, putting butterfly knives under, like underneath, inside my shoes, putting my feet back in and then walking across the border like this. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But that was why I went. That's, that's ultimately why I went. Cause I saw nothing wrong with it. Right? Actually, I was super pumped. I was like, church, we get to do this at church. This is awesome. But something else happened to me that week. On Thursday of that week, we were playing out in the street and it's a dirt road and there are a whole bunch of kids around. And I remember there was a kid who was about my size and he's running around and he's playing soccer barefoot. And so I, I, I talked to him, I really incredibly broken Spanish one, and we had one of our translators there, and we we're trying to have this conversation. Ultimately, I got to a point of asking him, hey, what, why aren't you wearing, do you have shoes? He's like, well, I do have a pair of shoes, but those are the sho- shoes I have to wear to school, because he went to a private school. And so he had to have his nice shoes for school. He couldn't wear them out to play in the street and that sort of thing. And so through the transit, I said, hey, tell him not to leave. I ran up to my bunk. I had some extra shoes that I had brought. You're supposed to bring really bad shoes and like okay shoes, right? So I got my okay shoes that we were supposed to wear to church the, the, uh, that Saturday that we were going to church. Got those, brought them to him and said, hey, man, you can have them, keep them forever. From that moment on, I recognized that serving the world looks a whole lot more than what we personally want to do. It doesn't have to be an international trip. It doesn't have to be uh, going, going overseas. It doesn't have to be crossing a border. It doesn't have to be any of those things. It's simply taking a second and recognizing the needs that are immediately around you. The needs that are in the world around you. And simply saying, I'm going to serve those needs. I'm going to help you with those needs. Maybe some of you in here have witnessed someone in need. And my guess is you have, right? Whether it's, whether it's driving uh, in your car and seeing someone on the side of the road looking for a handout. Maybe it's that you felt a tug on your heart to begin serving at the church in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you have seriously considered heading overseas for a bit and partnering with one of our missions organizations for either a short-term or a long-term stint. Maybe you fit into one of those categories or whatever the case may be. It's evident that in our incredibly broken world, uh, that our, our incredibly broken world has an incredible need. And church, it, it isn't an option whether or not we're supposed to serve. That's actually a mandate. John Piper, uh, he's a pastor, he's a theologian. One of his most famous quotes in regard to missions is when he says this. He says, go, send, or disobey. Go, send, or disobey. Church, it's a mandate for us. We have a couple options here. We can go, we can send others, or we can disobey what God has called us to do. I mean, do, do we get that? Do we understand what he's saying? That I know that, 
that not all of us are going to pack up our things and, and move to a country that's hostile to the gospel, hostile to Christianity, hostile to American, uh, Americans and all of that stuff. Not all of us are called to do that. But if we don't see ourselves doing that, then our other option is to be able to send people who will. Send people who do have their, that call on their life. We have to be willing to support that. And if we aren't, then we simply are disobeying God. And as we're going to see today, that's not even really an option. We know that isn't an option because loving God demands a response. We talked about this for the last two weeks. Loving God demands a response. Matthew 25 tells us that verses 35 through 40. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Christ will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Did you catch that? Did you catch the weight of that? How heavy that statement is? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. That whatever we do for the least of these, we're doing for God. Our interactions with the least of these should exemplify God's interaction with us. That as we love God, we can't help but allow his love to flow out of us day after day after day. Hour after hour, minute after minute. And sometimes you'll be incredibly blessed by it. And other times people won't give you the time of day. But it's been my experience more often than not that I have been blessed by the fact that I'm just saying yes to God and serving him. But we obviously don't do it because, because of that. Some of you probably remember a few months back, Jeff and our missions committee decided that we were going to do something that was called the Matthew 25 Project. Does anybody remember the Matthew 25 Project? Okay, some of you. So what we did as a church is um, we decided that we were going to give $300 to just different groups in the church, some different small groups, some Bible studies, that sort of thing, and allow them to take that money and just bless people in the community in some way. Find somebody in need, find an organization in need, do something to just bless people, to love people well. Matthew 25, right? That's what we just read. Matthew 25. That's where we got the name. It was super clever. Okay. Matthew 25 project. So we actually got $300 as a staff as well to be able to figure out how to bless somebody else, some people. And so what we did, the staff, and then we partnered with a, uh, a ladies Bible study. And with all of that money, we then gave a, uh, a King's gospel mission, a call King's gospel mission. Uh, it's a missions organization in the community. And one of the services that they offer is what's called a shower bus. Okay. And what they do is they go park at different locations around the, uh, during the day and just allow people who don't have a means for showering to take a shower. Okay. That's all it is. Okay. It's running water. But that being said is that bus had been, had, had been parked for a really long time. It had been out of use because of the fact that their water heater was busted. And they couldn't afford to put a new water heater on. And it's not just like one of those massive water heaters. You can go down to Home Depot and you're like, oh, just put this, strap this to the back of the bus. It'll be fine, right? 
So, uh, so we took our money, Jeff, Jeff kind of organized the money, he organized the project, and, and we purchased a, a water heater that was perfect for the bus. And then beyond that, after that, Jeff said, hey, you know what would be even better? Rather than just throwing money at this whole thing, why don't we go down there and serve for a couple days um, to, to just help them out in whatever way that they need as they kind of get back on their feet? So, uh, we went down there and it was my day, uh, to serve. It was me and Melissa was there and Jeff was there. And, uh, and then there was the guy who, uh, who was working the entire thing, who was overseeing everything. And, and we like me, Jeff and Melissa, we have no clue what to, you know, scrub out showers after each person is done and all that stuff. And we get down there and the entire time we were there, one person showed up. And so it's like four on one. And we're like, okay, uh, I probably don't need to be here. Jeff, you got this. I'm going to go work on my message. Like, yeah, get out of here. You don't need to be here. Um, but before I left, there was a guy by the name of Joseph, the one guy who showed guy by the name of Joseph. And I told myself, you know what? I'm going to lean in and I'm going to do my best to love this man to the best of my ability in the same way that God loves me. And so I walked up to him and he's got a car antenna that he's just kind of poking around with. And I'm like, why do you have this massive car? It's like one of those 10 footers you can get stations from Mars from, right? Like one of those antennas. And so uh, he's got this thing and he's just poking. He's obviously homeless. But on top of that, like as I made eye contact with him, it looked like he had cataracts. So I'm sure he's having a hard time seeing. And, and uh, I just began a conversation with him. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to love him well, God, just use me to love him well. Man, this is an opportunity for me to bring this person to Christ. It's going to be phenomenal. And so him and I are talking. And then I quickly realized that the appointment here isn't for me. And the appointment here is for this to be able to encourage me, actually. He already knows Jesus. As a matter of fact, he came to know Jesus while he was in prison. He said, they wouldn't give me anything to read but a Bible. He said, so I decided I should just read the Bible. I was like, that's a great call. So as he read the Bible, though, he began to understand. He began to have conversations with pastors who would come in and teach them and lead Bible studies and that sort of thing. And by the time he got out, man, this guy knew more theology and Bible than I hoped to learn in my entire life. And he just spoke truth to me and he loved me. And, he, and I talked to him about where we're we going with our sermon series and different things. Like, oh, don't forget about this. Don't forget about this. It's like, hold on. Let me get my notebook and jot this stuff down. <laughs> Right? It was just an incredible moment of blessing for me to simply say, you know what? We, like, we started with, we are going to love people well. We're going to love God well because loving God well demands a response on our behalf. So we are going to respond. And we responded. But that being said, God showed up in a completely and totally different way than we would have ever assumed that day. At least for me. Because once, once we realized that no one was coming, I, I shook his hand. I said, hey, man, great conversation. We probably talked for 15, 20 minutes or so. He left. I left. And it was Jeff, Melissa, and the guy at the shower bus for the next two hours. I don't think anybody else showed up. So I don't know how Jeff felt by the morning, but I walked away feeling phenomenal. Um, but he loved God. And because this guy named Joseph loved God, it demanded a response from him. He couldn't help but talk about it. And it isn't just about loving God. Every Sunday we end our services with the ABCs, admit, believe, choose. And we want people to, to give a people an opportunity to respond to God and know how he is working in their lives. We want people to put their faith in Christ. And one of the things that isn't always clear is that putting your faith in Christ demands a response. And that's your next blank. Putting your faith in Christ demands a response. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to everything that he taught in the scriptures. Everything, everything that he taught. We're saying yes to his spirit that resides inside of a single believer. 
We are saying we are willing to submit to him. We're willing to submit to his word regardless of our feelings about it. And we need to do so because Matthew 28 tells us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So if I'm willing to recognize him as my savior, I need to be willing to submit to him as an authority figure. And so in Matthew 28 verse 18, it says this, then Jesus came to them and said, and on earth has been given to me. And some of us in here would say, we love Jesus, but we aren't acting like he is the Lord of our lives. We say, yep, I love Jesus. We have Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Man, it's so cute. My grandkids, they even make a cake that says Jesus on it. And we blow out candles and sing happy birthday to Jesus. We love Jesus, which is great. And man, we'll be there at Easter resurrection. The church has changed. That's cool. Cool stuff going on. Okay. See you at Christmas time. But there are people in here, not just, not just people who show up on Christmas and Easter, but people in here who would say, no, I am a follower of Christ. But outside of Sunday morning, outside of your Bible study or a small group that you attend, he is not the authority figure in your life. Because when you recognize him as your savior, you also in the same breath have to recognize him as an authority figure. Those two things cannot be separated. A lot of us aren't going about our day talking and acting like Christ has authority over everything. And we put him in the passenger seat and ask him for directions every once in a while. Every time that we feel a little bit lost. And I'm guilty of this too. We see that every time things are going well for you, I guarantee your prayer life plummets. It's the same for me. Things are going well. I know my plans. I know the direction I'm going to go. And so because I know that direction, God, I'm good right now. But as soon as things veer off course, what's the first thing we do? Man, we hit our knees and like, God, why would you abandon me at a time like this? And God's just sitting there in the passenger seat being like, I leave. You just put me in the passenger seat, man. Like, give me an opportunity to help lead you in your life. Man, we love when everything goes according to our plans. It is so easy when we have the road mapped out in front of us to completely and totally ignore Christ being the savior of our lives. We're cruising along. We don't seem to care that the creator of the universe has sent his son on our behalf so we could spend eternity in heaven with him. We don't seem to care that after Christ's ascension, when Christ wrote, when he went back to heaven, that that, that God sent his spirit to live inside of us so we would know what is good. We would know what is bad. We would know what is true. We would know what is not. And we could serve people until those people had no option but to ask the question, why are you doing this? And you get to lean in and you get to respond because I love God. And those words are incredibly powerful. But we don't get to utter those words apart from serving people. Because church, we're not going to be known because of our convictions. We're going to be known because of our love. Serving the world comes from loving God and loving people. That's why we waited until the last weekend to cover this one, because all of this flows from loving God and loving people. We don't serve the world so we feel good about ourselves. That's not the intention of serving the world. That's not what we do. We don't serve the world so we could be blessed because of it. We serve the world because we love God. We serve the world because we put our faith in his son. And we serve the world because his authority tells us that we should. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Did you recognize where this verse falls, 19 and 20, where those verses fall? It comes immediately after the verse I just read in verse 18, talking about how all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. But what is Christ? He says, hey, with all of that authority, this is what you need to be doing. This is where my authority lies. This is what you should be listening to. Is that you are to go into all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it's not like Jesus is saying, hey, look, you need to listen to me because I have authority. That's partially what he's saying. But how he ends here in verse 20, it just says, and surely I am with you always. There's a comforting side of that. It's like, look, I'm not sending you out on your own. As a matter of fact, I'm sending a helper. And he's going to live inside of you. And you get to listen to him all the time. The very power of God gets to live inside of each and every. So as he resides inside of you, man, go. Go serve the world. If your life has gotten easier because you decided to follow Christ, my guess is you're doing it wrong. My guess is you're probably turning a blind eye to the mandates that Christ has as followers in Scripture. Because this is a really difficult mandate. And we consistently say that's what we're about, which I hope is true. But I hope you recognize what he is asking us to do here. Because it's incredibly difficult. We are called to serve. A famous pastor and leader wrote this. He would say, he said, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand. A hand never dirtied by serving. And shake the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. <sighs> right? Take that one home. Try to, try to take your post-church nap after that quote. Because that's tough. I mean, that's a call to action and saying, look, Jesus went through a whole lot more than you're going to ever go through in your life. And so how are you going to serve him because of that? Man, when I get to heaven, I want to wear the proverbial scars of servanthood saying, Jesus, I did everything I could do to serve the least of these because I love you and you love me best. And I wanted to take every opportunity to love and serve a world who has turned its back on you. But God, my hands are callous because I want to serve you to the best of my ability. FBH will serve the world. FBH will serve the world. Will serve the world. And this is where the rubber meets the road for us. This is the vision side of things. I just explained all the why to you and this is, this is where we're going. What does it mean for us? As a believer, this is our personal responsibility. So for all of you talk about love serving the world, that's great. We're moving in that direction as a church and everything like that. But, but don't wait for us to say, okay, this is how you love God. Okay, now this is how you love people. And here's some opportunities to serve the world. No, no, no. This is your own personal responsibility as well as what we're building our church towards. Okay, so don't wait around with your hands in your pockets waiting for Pastor Peter or Pastor Jeff or Pastor Kyle to say, hey, this is how we're going to serve the world this weekend. Forget about that. There's plenty of opportunities that you don't need me or Jeff or anybody on our staff to be able to say, hey, you can serve the world this weekend. Forget about that. It's your personal responsibility first and foremost. In the same way, we're called to get up. We're called to get into the word. We're called to pray. We're called to be in community with one another. We're called to serve. 
So for a church, one of the things we need to do better is get back into the hardened community. And that for, for a long time, a lot of what we did was internally focused. It was internally driven. And, 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 and to all of that will go, will go away because we are still called to be disciples. Not all of that will go away because we're still called to be disciples. But as I read Acts 1.8, I see a biblical model of service here. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a biblical model. Those are three things. Those are, those are three concentric rings that you're seeing here that are being outlined here. Three concentric rings. My witness in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So church, what that means for us as we move forward is a couple of things. We are going to serve the church. We're going to serve the world. And the first thing we're going to do better is put an emphasis on serving our church. Okay, so we're going to put an emphasis on serving our church. Uh, our numbers are growing weekly, which is phenomenal. It's exciting. Cool things are happening. But you know what that means? That means there's more needs that need to be met, which means for a lot of you who've been sitting on the sidelines for a long time, assuming somebody else can pick up the slack, no more. Okay, uh, I'm going to have, we, we need to work harder as a church. We need to get back into the game. And one of the ways we can do that is by serving our church. Okay. Now you look at these things, you're like children's greet, students, greeters, you're like, nope, those aren't my spiritual gifts. We got a whole lot of other places. I just didn't want to fill up a slide with all of these things. Let me tell you some of the places that we have somebody wired like my wife. You're like, you know what, man, if that thing doesn't know how to go to the bathroom on its own and just screams at you anytime it wants something. I want to hold that. Okay. Like some of you in here are like, man, I love babies. And because I love babies, I want to, we have opportunities in the nursery to rock those babies, to, to sing songs to those babies for those kids to begin to learn about what it looks like to follow Jesus, man. And maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to take a step up from that. And in that step up, really my bottom line is making sure that those kids know how to use the restroom on their own. Great. We have opportunities to serve three and four year olds in our church, right? That man, these are the building blocks of faith. And largely all you need to know how to do is fill up little Dixie cups with goldfish and give them hugs when they get hurt and be able to press play on a video on a song for them to be able to sing and do ridiculous hand motions. Just love them well in the midst of that. But maybe you're like, you know what? I want to start having real conversations with people. Great. Well, I want to start having conversations with people, right? Man, our, our kindergarten through our fifth graders, man, what an incredible opportunity for you. As, as Gilbert put it, as wet, these kids are wet cement. Yeah, what follow Jesus? What does it look like to have conversations about God? What does it look like to worship him with other kids my age? Man, Andrea and Emily are doing an incredible job with our children's program right now. There's a ton of change happening starting next week. We got new curriculum happening. We got new worship songs that are happening. We just put a couple TVs in there so you don't even have to know how to sing. It's great. You can press play and stand in the back. But they need people to serve. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I love hanging out with pre-humans. Some of these pre-humans that are hanging out in the front row right here who don't yet. Nope, not high school. High school, we'll get to you in a second. But junior high, man, y'all are pre-humans, okay? 
I mean, deodorant's hard. Like we get it. Conversations with people are hard. We get it. And it is a special breed of human being in this room that is okay serving the needs of our junior high students. Man, they need help in junior high. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I want to have actual conversations with people who actually know how to put on deodorant. Great. High school ministry is for you. Or you could work your way up. Maybe it's adult studies. Maybe you don't want to talk to anybody. Great. Jeff has opportunities for setup and teardown. And we have a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe hospitality is your, 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 your gig. Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't know how to talk to people well, but I know how to, how to make a killer chocolate chip cookie. Can I do that and just give them to people? Right? We have opportunities to serve everywhere. So as you look at that list, I'm pretty stifled there. Trust me. You want to serve somewhere? We'll find a spot for you. Okay, so church, that's the first thing we're going to do to serve the world is we're going to serve the church. The next thing we're going to do to serve the world is we're going to serve our community. Okay, as the circle gets one step larger, I want you to recognize that there are there are places in our local community with all who already have boots on the ground, who are already serving the community. We want to reinvent the week. Okay? We don't want to say we can do this better because largely we can't. But what we can do is come alongside some of these different missions organizations that are local and be able to, to, to serve alongside of them, to provide not just financial support, which by the way, we do incredibly well. But that being said, it takes, so, it, it takes so much more work. It's way more difficult to actually put on your shoes and walk to one of these places. Well, don't walk, drive, and then walk into one of these places, Right? But we're going to get back to serving our community. One of the places you'll see tonight, and you may have already seen it on our, on our budget. If you picked up our budget, you went through some of our missions organizations that we support. One of the new ones is King's Gospel Mission. Okay? King's Gospel Mission, they've been open for about three years. I already talked, about, talked to you about them with a the shower bus. They have a recycling center. They have a thrift shop. They have a, a, a place where um, uh, people can donate cars, and then the guys work on the cars and then sell the cars. And then once those cars are sold, it goes straight back into the ministry. I mean, it's incredible. Some of the stuff that they're doing out there, but that's one of the missions organizations that we're going to be partnering with in our community. There's Hannah's house, local schools. We want to do our best to, to, to partner with our local schools as well. And that's, those are ongoing conversations. Okay. Those are ongoing conversations, but we're going to serve the community. And the last one is we're going to serve the world. Okay. We're going to serve the world. We have our short-term trips. We have our long-term trips. Those people that, that we are already supporting, people who are already on the ground in different countries and that sort of thing. Um, but then our offertory tithe. Can I just tell you, church, there's not a whole lot of churches in the world who give 10% of everything they have to missions. So I wanted to do it for already a place before I got here. I had never even, I, I had heard of it. I had never seen a church actually do it. And so especially with the shape that FBH has been, the financial shape that we've been in in the past and that sort of thing, for you to say, no, 10%, that's what we're giving because that's what we're expected to do as individuals. Man, thank you for doing that. So that will continue to be true. But church, man, can you imagine what it would look like? Can you imagine what it would look like? If we took the burden of service seriously, if we took the calling of service seriously, if instead of merely opening our checkbooks when there was a need, we put on our shoes, we decided we were going to do something about the issues in our community, that rather than complain about how different ministries are struggling around the church, that we would step up, take some initiative and jump in. Because it's no lie. I mean, obviously, we have stuff that we got to fix. We got stuff we want to improve. We got stuff we want to get better at. 
Man, and if you're noticing it, great. I don't have time to do it because I'm handling everything else. But you know who might? You. So church, step up. It is time for us to do that. Rather than complain about those things would be a solution to a problem. If we decided that sending people internationally was so important to us that over and above your tithe, you, you would individually partner with a missionary internationally. That you wouldn't say, here's my check, FBH. You guys go ahead and uh, you figure out where, where, where it should go. Let's say only church missionaries and figure out what it is. Go walk down our missions hallway over here. Pray over it and say, you know what? I feel like God wants me to give to this person. Great. We'll send you their contact info. They won't turn down your check. I promise. But figure it out, church. What would it look like if we decided that we were going to take this burden of servanthood seriously? And people would be banging on the doors to get into our church, asking us why we are different. Because the reality is this shouldn't be something that's just central to FBH. This should be something that's central to Christianity as a whole. Because church, people aren't going to recognize us. People aren't going to recognize that we're different because of our convictions. They're going to recognize we're different because of our love. And church, we got to get back to it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, man, we thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you just for where you're taking us as a church. The encouragement that I've gotten over and over and over again that, God, I, I just can't say enough about how our church has just handled change well. That they, that they would come and, and have conversations with me and we get to explain stuff and, and talk them through it. And, Lord, largely they just recognize that you're in this. And, God, I'm thankful for that. God, I'm thankful for you calling me to FBH I'm thankful for the staff. I'm thankful for our board. Thankful for the search committee, for GHC, for everybody who's been involved in this entire process. But God, the exciting thing is, is we are just getting started. God, that you have incredibly great things for our church. And as I've said before, God, I I truly believe that our best years are indeed ahead of us. And so God, I pray that we would continue to put one foot in front of the other as we figure out how to serve the world best and not because we want to do it for our own sake because you have called us to do that because we love you because we've accepted your son as our savior and now father we are submitting to that authority and serving your world so father i just pray that we would we would go from here and we would recognize that but father just like as we do every service with heads still bowed and eyes still closed if there are people in here who don't yet know you and who are like yes i want to be a part of that i want to be a part of serving i want to be a part of impacting the world for good i want to be a part of this solution i want to say yes to jesus god that that we would recognize as simple as abc by by in just their own hearts i admit that i'm a savior i admit that i messed up just like we're all messed up God, it be that I would believe that you sent your son to die on a cross and that he conquered death on my behalf so I could be with you for eternity. God, I believe that you did that, that he came for me, that he came for all of humanity and see that we would choose to follow you every single day. And that's the hard one. And we know that's the hard one. But God, that gets really very real. When we, we are called to a life of service, we're called to serving the world. And God, I know that can feel overwhelming. Like, I don't even know where to start. Man, God, I pray that you would just impress it on the hearts of our people to have conversations with those who are more connected, those who know different opportunities for service. 
those who know uh, uh, how to get connected to different missions organizations or whatever it may be, God, I just pray that they would take that one step of faith and that step would be choosing to follow you. That I'm going to choose to actively follow you and my life would look different because of who you are and because of how you love me. So, Father, we love you and we're so thankful for your son. Yeah. Or anything, or anything like that. Myself and Pastor Jeff will be over here. Paul and Donna Klein will be in the back over by the tables. We'll see you next week or tonight. Bye bye.